Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Gospel according to St. John Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and his disciple there, whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Going to the most merciful heart of Jesus with all your material and moral petitions. Jesus was approaching a small town called Naim. With him were his disciples and a large crowd. At the entrance to Naim, they met a funeral procession. A widow was to bury her only son. Perhaps Jesus and his followers waited by the side of the road for the procession to pass. It was then that Jesus noticed the bereaved mother, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. The evangelists are accustomed to point out Christ's reactions to suffering. On another occasion, St. Thomas writes of Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. When a leper, with great faith, implores the Lord's help. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and cured him. Before the great crowd that has no food, he tells his disciples, I have had compassion on the crowd. He thereupon multiplied the loaves and the fishes. In response to the insistent cries of two blind men, Jesus in pity touched their eyes and they received their sight. Mercy is proper to God, according to St. Thomas Aquinas. Mercy has its most perfect manifestation in Jesus Christ, especially through his lifestyle and through his actions. Jesus revealed that love is present in the world in which we live, an effective love, a love that addresses itself to man and embraces everything that makes up his humanity. This love makes itself particularly noticed in contact with suffering, injustice, and poverty, in contact with the whole historical human condition, which in various ways manifests man's limited and frail, limitation and frailty, both physical and moral. The Gospels should inspire us to rely on the merciful heart of Jesus in our every physical and moral petition. He awaits our loving plea. Hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to thee. 
Do not hide thy face from me in the day of my distress. Incline thy ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. This prayer is read by priests today in the liturgy of the hours. The Lord hears our every word. He is there to help us immediately. The Mercy of the Church Seeing the widow of Naim, Jesus had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came and touched the buyer, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and he gave him to his mother. Many fathers of the church have seen in the widow of Naim an image of the church, inasmuch, inasmuch as she welcomes home sinners through the merciful intercession of Christ. The church is a mother who intercedes for each one of her children like the widow of her only son. St. Augustine comments that she rejoices every day at the conversion of sinners. The only son had been dead according to the flesh, but these sinners have been dead according to the Spirit. If the Lord is moved by a crowd which is hungry, how much more will he be moved to assist someone who has spiritual affliction? The church lives an authentic life when she professes and proclaims mercy. The most stupendous attribute of the Creator and of the Redeemer and when she brings people close to the source of the Savior's mercy, of which she is the trustee and dispenser. This mission is realized when she leads people to conscious and mature participation in the Eucharist and the sacrament of penance or reconciliation. The Eucharist brings us ever nearer to that love which is more powerful than death. It is the sacrament of penance, or reconciliation that prepares the way for each individual, even those weighed down with great faults. In this sacrament, each person can experience mercy in a unique way. That is the love which is more powerful than sin. Christ is present in today's world. He continues to have compassion on the crowd. He is most concerned about those individuals who are weighed down by the burden of their sins. He says to all, follow me. He invites us to throw off the weight of sin. Through the sacrament of confession, he cures the wounds caused by sin with his great mercy. This sacrament has been made for us because of the likelihood of our many falls. It is the sacrament of divine patience. This is where our Father God awaits the return of his prodigal children. How well do we appreciate this sacrament of mercy which Christ has given us? It not only frees us from sin, but also strengthens us for our interior struggle. The divine mercy as revealed in the sacrament of pardon, conditions for a good confession. The mercy of God is limitless. Also infinite, therefore, are the inexhaustible is the Father's readiness to receive the prodigal children who returns to his home. Infinite are the readiness and power of forgiveness which flow continually from the marvelous value of the sacrifice of the Son. No human sin can prevail 
over this power or even limit it. On the part of man, only a lack of good will can limit it, a lack of readiness to be converted and to repent. In other words, persistence in obstinacy, opposing grace and truth. We ourselves are the only ones who can get in the way of the efficacy of this divine medicine. As we grow in our knowledge of and adherence to the Lord, we grow in our desire for interior purification. We need to avoid routine in our confessions, filling them with the sorrow of love. We should approach each confession as if it were our last confession. Let us recall those five conditions for a good confession, which is probably learned in childhood. First should come our examination of conscience to make a thorough review of our sins and bad habits. Second, should come sorrow for sins, so as to be truly contrite. Third, we should have a true purpose of amendment, so that we can seriously resolve to sin no more. Fourth, there has to be confession of our sins to seek Christ's pardon in personal encounter. Fifth, it is to do penance, to fulfill the penance imposed by the confessor. This penance is not merely a work of piety. It serves as an act of reparation and satisfaction for the sins committed. We should make sure to go to confession frequently. In this way, we will avoid any separation from the Lord, even in little things. Let us ask the help of Our Lady, Refuge of Sinners, that we may constantly improve the quality of our confessions. We should think also of the splendid work of mercy involved in bringing a friend, relative, or colleague to the sacrament and to a renewal of spiritual supernatural life. We give you thanks, Almighty God, for all thy benefits. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.